Okay, today's Bible reading is from Luke chapter 8. That's Luke 8, verses 4 to 21, which is on page 1037 of the Bibles, and um, wherever it might be in your app. So that's Luke 8, verses 4 to 21, page 1037. While a large crowd was gathering, and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. And when he said this, he called out, Whoever as it is to hear... Let them hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in time, in the time of testing they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way they are choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. No one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand, so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed, and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have will be taken from them. Now Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside waiting, to, wanting to see you. He replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be, Thanks to, be God. to God. Great, thanks Brian. We'll do keep that bit of the Bible open um, in front of you. That'll be really helpful to me as we look at this uh, passage together. Um, you should also see that there's some uh, little slips of paper on your tables. I thought we'd do something slightly differently this morning, uh, which is to have a, a time of discussion after uh, the sermon um, to think together about these two questions. So you may want, as you're listening to the sermon, to uh, think particularly of those four words, humble, persistent, public, obedient. These are the four um, words that I think sum up uh, what Jesus is teaching his disciples and therefore teaching us here this morning about listening to God's word. And this morning we're going to undergo a spiritual hearing test. don't know if you've been for hearing test. I've been for one recently. I'm getting to that age, but I know it can happen earlier as well. 
Uh, and you go in, don't you, and there's just incredible technology. They can, they can sort of put sounds into your ears and find out exactly what's going wrong, not just with your ears, but with your brain, <laughs> in my case. And, and then they'll have the sort of technical solution of, you know, well, this is how they can correct your hearing, and uh, it's going to start at this number of thousands of pounds. <laughs> well, thankfully, this morning, uh, as we discover whether our hearing of God's word, our listening to God's word is, is healthy or not, thankfully, we have a much better solution than some technology. We have God and his grace, his love for us which we'll see come is shot through the genius of Jesus' teaching here, which is a suitable hearing test whether we are just investigating the Christian faith for the first time and, and, and want to be saved, want to be in heaven, in that new world that we were thinking about with the children, or whether we've been Christians for years, and yet we're conscious that our heart is such that there's some things we're just deaf to when it comes God's word. So let's just pray now, shall we? Let's pray that God, in his grace, would meet each of us so that by the end of this morning we know how to listen well, trusting in his love for us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you and praise you so much that you healed those who were deaf and that you are able to heal us in our spiritual deafness. Lord, thank you that you challenged all who heard you with he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And whether we've got physical ears or whether we struggle with our hearing, Lord, we confess that our hearts wander. And we have many reasons not to listen to you as we ought, not to hear you as we ought. So, Lord, please show us where we're not listening to you. And in your grace and mercy, open our ears, we pray, for your glory. Amen. Well, our first point is this. Listen humbly to Jesus to understand. Listen humbly to Jesus to understand. You see, lots and lots of people had heard what Jesus was teaching. There were crowds, but many did not understand what the heck he was going on about. But there were some that did. Which were they? Well, Jesus says in verse 10, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given, given to you. The disciples were given this understanding of what Jesus was teaching. Why? Because they went to him and asked. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. And so they understood. They were given the understanding by Jesus himself. But the reason why Jesus spoke in parables according to his own explanation is so that some people would not understand. Because they didn't get it first time around, they didn't go to Jesus humbly and they didn't ask him for the meaning and therefore they didn't understand. The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you disciples but to others I speak in parables so that though seeing they may not see though hearing they may not understand Jesus is quoting from Isaiah 6 see parables are not there as visual aids to help people understand 
They're there to stop some people from understanding. It's like a, a filter. But we now have the explanation that Jesus gave to those who came to him, who asked him, who gave the understanding. So we are, if you like, able to understand in ways that even those in the days of Jesus were not able to understand. See, the, the humble came to Jesus for explanation. Others don't bother. And we've had these words read to us. Are we coming to Jesus humbly, saying, Jesus, I, I don't understand these things. Please, would you help me understand? And if that's the way that we come to Jesus, he gives us, by his generous, gentle love for people, he gives us the understanding. Now, I'm sure most of us have been in this situation in school or in a university lecture or... I don't know, we might be learning to drive, whatever it is, a situation where we are learning and we know that we haven't got it yet. That lesson just went over our heads, or that lecture went over our or we just can't fathom how to do X, Y, or Z. And what often makes the difference is we stay behind afterwards and ask the teacher, or we have a chat with our lecturer, or... We ask the driving instructor or whoever it is, you know, what, why am I getting that wrong? You know, what, what's going on here? And they explain, and that makes all the difference. It's the same with understanding God's word. We, we can't come to God's word, Jesus says, the whole Bible says really, without humility, without being humble before him. Without saying to Jesus, I simply don't understand this. I, I haven't got the capacity in myself to get what you are saying, God. But if we go to him as the disciples went to Jesus, he gives us an understanding that is not ours naturally. You see, what do we actually need to believe and to enter the kingdom of heaven? We need to be born from above, according to Jesus. We need to be raised from the dead. We are naturally as attentive as a corpse, which is not very attentive. So of course we need God to raise us to new life so that we can see and enter the kingdom of God. That never changes, does it? We are naturally spiritually blind, deaf, and dead. It's not very complimentary. So we need to be humble as we come to Jesus. So listen humbly to Jesus to understand. So when we read the Bible, are we praying to Jesus to understand? Or do we think we're just going to get it just by reading it? When we come to church... Do we join in with in our hearts each week that Jesus would reveal something of himself afresh to us in our hearts, that he would be our teacher? Are we going to him saying, Lord, can you give me some understanding of this? I don't get it. It doesn't seem to work. Where have I got it wrong? Where we are skeptical about the Bible's teaching or wrestle with particular truths, do we... Listen humbly to Jesus. 
to understand. Secondly, listen persistently to Jesus to be fruitful. Now, Jesus gives them the meaning of the parable, verse 11. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. The seed that Jesus sows is the word of God. The, the Bible in its entirety, the witness to who Jesus is, what Jesus said in his human ministry... And we are the soils. The, the seed is the word of, the God, of God. And as the Bible is preached and read and applied and discussed and thought about, so that word of God is sown into our hearts. How will that word become fruitful in our lives? Four soils. The first, verse 12. Those along the path are the ones who hear... And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Listening to God's word is a spiritual and eternal issue. Some people don't believe, not because they're not intelligent enough, but because they are still so influenced by the enemy of God that he takes what is sown by God from people's hearts so that they may not believe and will not go to heaven. They won't be saved. They will be in hell, as Jesus clearly taught. If we're not a Christian yet, listening to this book is the most important thing you can do in your life. Listening to what the gospel, the good news of Jesus is, is the most important intellectual activity you have in your life. Because if you believe what this book says, if you cry out to Jesus humbly and ask him to give you understanding, then the understanding you are given means that you will be saved. You will be in the new world. There is no more important an issue than that, is there? See, without God protecting us from the devil, we will not believe. The word will continue to be snatched from our hearts because our hearts will naturally love something other than God and his word. We'll want to live for something other than God and his word. So cry out to God that the devil would not snatch God's word from your heart that you might believe and be saved. So this is an issue for those of us who are yet to be saved Cry out to Jesus humbly and ask him to plant the word in your heart so that you will believe in the gospel of Jesus and be saved. Maybe that's an issue for some of us. Then the second soil, verse 13, those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing they fall away. They seem to begin really well. They're, they profess Christian faith. They trust in Jesus. They, they understand the gospel up to a point. But it is actually just skin deep. They believe for other reasons other than the reasons of God's glory and honor. So that when testing comes, when... There is a trial that means being a Christian is really costly and they suffer for their faith. Uh, they give it up. Because the motivation for faith was in themselves. 
gardeners know this, don't we? Plants look healthy when there's plenty of water. All you need is a bit of drought, and you see which ones that really have roots and which ones are just, you know, the roots are just sort of curled up and haven't gone down very far at all. Or another image of, of buildings, you know, those sort of buildings which have a, a, a wonderful facade, but then you go around to the back and it's just the facade, it's sort of propped up with all these struts. There's no actual building behind it at all. And all it takes is, I don't know, a, a, an earth tremor or a slight collision and then it just comes crashing down. It, it's all just skin deep, it's all a facade, there's no root. Now, if particularly we have become a Christian recently or in the last few years, the question here is, are we putting down deep roots? Are we letting God take hold of us right deep down in our hearts? Are we building our lives on Jesus Christ and him alone? I, I'm so grateful that when I came to faith, I, I met an older Christian and uh, we met once a week to read the Bible, uh, and I could ask questions and, and read books. I, I got involved in CU and church and in summer camps, and by God's grace, I was given by his love in my life, all these people through whom I could put down deep roots. So when illness struck and when there were other tests in my life, the perspective I had learned kept me going. And I think of particular importance is the sovereign love of God, the sovereign grace of God. It's particularly clear in the book of Romans, which we'll be looking at next term. But just a, a question, wherever we are in our Christian walk, are you, have you put down deep roots? Are you engaging with clear biblical teaching? Are you approaching the same level of intellectual understanding of your faith as in other areas of your life, educationally, professionally? I mean, we put deep roots into our careers or into our developing in our relationships. Are we putting the same kind of investment into our Christian lives so that when the test comes... We don't just collapse. We don't just shrivel up. It's shown not to be a facade, but a deep reality of our hearts. Then there's the seed that fell among thorns, which stands for those who hear, verse 14. So everybody's hearing the Bible in this parable, aren't they? Everyone's hearing Jesus' teaching, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. You know, God's aim in our lives is to be fruitful, mature, productive. He's looking for a harvest in our lives. But in this person's life, the seed is outcompeted by other things. It's choked. Like bindweed wrapping itself round the plant or nettles overshadowing it. It gets to a certain point. But it's fruitless. There is no harvest. And a wonderful Puritan illustration of this is that our hearts are a bit like a garden. Whatever we have to do for weeds, 
to get rid of them so that there is the flower or the fruit, whatever it is we're wanting to grow. We have to do to those things which spring up in our hearts. It might be selfishness, greed, materialism, sexual license, corruption, careerism, anger, frustration, fear of death, anxiety. All these things creep into our hearts. And what do we have to do to be mastered by them? Nothing. We don't have to do anything. To stop these things out-competing our love for God and our love for his people, our love for his word, our listening to his, all we have to do is nothing. Anxiety or lust or greed or selfish ambition or fear of death, these things will grow up in our hearts unless we get rid of them. Unless we stop them choking us, competing for our attention. So what are we worrying about? What, what thoughts are mastering us? What passions deep down are gaining ground in our hearts? What, what fears? Now, we've got to be careful here. We don't want to... Uh, confuse the, the difficulties and the tests that we face when we're ill, whether that's physically or, or mentally. We may need medication. I remember when I was so ill that all I could think of was one word. That, that's all I could have in my mind, and it was just the first word of the Lord's Prayer. Father. That's, that's all I could do. Father. But I meditated on that word, and if we can't read or we haven't got the capacity through ill health or whatever it might be, we, we don't need to sort of whip ourselves that we can't read four chapters of the Bible a day. Just take a phrase and go deep. Rejoice in the Lord always. The Lord's love endures forever. You can feed on that for weeks. But is that what we're feeding our hearts? Or are we feeding our hearts with other things? We're, we're feeding the bindweed so that it's choking us, or we're feeding the nettles, or what, you, you get the idea. You know, riches, desire for riches can choke our maturity. Desire for pleasures, whether it's food or sex or holidays or alcohol, whatever we enjoy, we make an idol of it. If we chase money, we we might veer into that place where Paul says, you know, people eager for money have pierced themselves with many griefs. So what are we being choked by? What is choking the spiritual life out of us? How do we respond when we feel it? It's starting to grip our hearts. What do we do? Keep listening. Keep listening, keep retaining Keep mulling over what you've heard. Keep trying to understand it. Calling out with humility to God. Because that's what the fruitful do. Verse 15. The seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart. It doesn't mean that's where we start. It, it means that because we cry out to the Lord Jesus, we ask him to do some heart surgery on us, he's at work as we hear the word and retain it and keep going, keep going, keep listening, keep trying to put into, keep going, persevere. And if we keep going, we will produce a crop. 
So listen persistently to be fruitful. That's the biggest point because it's the biggest part of the passage. But two more things to look at are hearing test. Listen humbly to Jesus. Listen persistently to Jesus to be fruitful. And then listen publicly to Jesus to be given more. You know, if we want more grace, if we want more understanding, how do we grow in our understanding? Is it a sort of private in the study kind of thing? No. Verse 16, no one lights a lamp and hides it. Uh, I've copied this down wrong, so I'm going to go back to the... So verse 16, no one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. Jesus is mixing his metaphors here. He's saying those who listen to him, when we gain understanding, it's not just for us privately. It's public. It's to be displayed. Why? Well, that's reality. Everything that is in, uh, hidden will be disclosed and uh, nothing that is now concealed will not be known or brought out into the open. There's a judgment day coming. Everything that is secret will one day be public. Therefore, verse 18, conclusion of this, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have will be taken from him. How does this work? I think what Jesus is saying is this. As we listen, we gain understanding. That's to be shared. That's to be lived out publicly for all to see. That's how understanding works. It's not just an intellectual private thing. It's a whole of life lived out in public kind of thing. And that's how we get grace upon grace upon grace as we receive from Jesus and we put it into practice and we receive, because we understand as we do as much as we understand with these things. You've got a similar thing in Philemon. You know, be active in sharing your faith. Why? So that you might understand what God has given you in the gospel. Paraphrase. I can't quite remember exactly. You see, when you're learning a sport or... Uh, learning to drive or, I don't know, whatever it might be, some, some, something that you need to be trained in, how do you learn? How is it retained? You don't say if you're, uh, I don't know, an athlete or a footballer or a tennis player or whatever, oh, that's very, very interesting, I'll, I'll do that next week. Yeah, I'll, I'll remember that, um, how, how to hit the ball or whatever. I'll do that. No, immediately you put it into practice. That's how we learn. And what Jesus is saying is, as we hear, we're immediately put, needing to put it into practice. That's how we learn. That's how we receive more. That's how we grow to this mature, fruitful place. See, the progression in the Christian life is not knowing more stuff in our heads. It's living out what we know in our heads. I mean, love one another as I've loved you. That's fairly quick to understand, isn't it? L love one another as Jesus has loved us. It takes a lifetime to learn that one, does it not? Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. 
takes a lifetime to actually know that to be true in our experience, doesn't it? Because I'm constantly thinking, do you still love me, Lord? Do you still love me? I'm not sure you love me anymore, Lord, because this has happened. No, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that wonderful? We should be rejoicing all the time. We should rejoice always, shouldn't we? So listen publicly to Jesus to be given more. And then finally, listen obediently to Jesus to be part of his family. See, this whole section is about listening, isn't it? Verse 19. Now, Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get here near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. He replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. If we are those who hear God's word and put it into practice, Jesus says we're family. That's the family likeness. Beyond his biological family, this was the family of God. So as we draw to a close, um, how are we listening? What's our spiritual hearing like? What are we struggling with to listen to in God's word? And how can we listen with a more humble, persistent, public, and obedient heart? Because, you see, listening to God's word is not kind of a, a lifestyle choice or an intellectual exercise or you know, something for those theological types who like splitting hairs. No, listening to God's word is... More important than our food, our physical food, according to Jesus. We can't understand ourselves if we don't listen to God's word. Because if we listen to God's word and then go away and don't do it, it's like looking into a mirror and then forgetting what we look like with our hair all over the place. Or, I don't know, sleep in our eyes and bogeys hanging out of our nose. So maybe we need one another to say, oh, I think, I think, oops. I think you might just have a bit of spinach in your teeth. Or, uh, which, which I'm regularly reminded, you just missed a bit. You've missed a bit of hair. You need to cut that other bit off that you missed. So we need one another to see ourselves rightly and to see how we are listening to God and his word. So that's what we're going to do now for five minutes. On your tables or if you're on your own somewhere, get near somebody else. And let's just think about these two questions. How are you struggling to listen to God's word? And how can you and I listen in a more humble, persistent, public and obedient way? Five minutes and then we'll gather in prayer. It's shut. <laughs>